Do you have an idea for a podcast, but you don't know where to start? Maybe you're overwhelmed by all the tech or you're convinced nobody will actually listen to you. Well, I'm Shauna Game. After nine and a half years as a professional podcaster, at this show, everyone's talking money. And 25 million downloads later, let me tell you the secret to a profitable podcast. It is building a solid foundation, your podcast roadmap before you launch. That's why I created the Podcaster Class, a fast-paced group cohort podcasting for profit eight-week style NBA program. The Podcaster Class is immersive, comprehensive, and insanely motivational. If you want to create a podcast, DIYing a launch is just not the way to go. In the Podcaster Class, you'll get the tools, tips, and strategies to create a podcast that resonates with listeners and one you can be proud of. Get this. 90% of podcasters never make it to episode three. That's 2.8 million podcasters who just quit. So to be a top podcaster, you only need to publish 21 episodes, but you got to make them good. So in the podcaster class, I'm taking the mystery out of how to create, launch, and profit from your podcast so you can create a top 1% podcast just like this one. The May cohort is now open for enrollment. Classes start May 22nd. There are only 15 spots open. You are going to learn podcasting with me and 14 other amazing people. You can learn all the details at thepodcasterclass.com. Use code podcast when you sign up for $100 off. That's thepodcasterclass.com. I'm going to be real with you. Identity theft is on the rise, and you do not want to wake up one morning and discover that your bank account has been emptied or you're overdue on credit cards you never even applied for. We talk about this often on the podcast, but you don't realize how much of your information is available to scammers on the internet and how susceptible you and your family are to identity theft and fraud. I know, it's scary, but now you can get your data removed with Delete Me. That's why I personally choose Delete Me. Delete Me is a subscription service that removes your personal information from the largest people search databases on the web and in the process helps prevent potential ID theft doxing, and phishing scams. I just started using Delete Me and I got my regular personalized privacy report. (laughs) I was shocked what they found and removed. It was pages of information about me that I did not want online. Here's how it works. You sign up and provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. I cannot tell you how relieved I felt to have Delete Me. And you know, it's also a great service for your parents or grandparents to help protect them from identity theft. Delete Me is not just a one-time service. Delete Me is always working for you, constantly monitoring and removing the personal information you do not want on the internet. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me, now at a special price for my listeners. Today, get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and use promo code etm at checkout. The only way you get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and enter code etm at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash etm. Go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and use code etm for 20% off. Hey, I'm Shauna Compton Game. This is Millennial Money. And today we're talking investing in startups, just like the big sharks do on Shark Tank. I have Travis and Ryan from New Chip, and it is an awesome new company where you can now invest in startups for as low as $100 a month. 
and they have a really cool concept. It's a new company. They're just launching. And I thought it was awesome to give you this story because a lot of people, you know, are super into Shark Tank and a lot of these different investing shows and want to know, hey, if I find a cool idea, how can I actually invest in that startup? And New Chip has the answer. I'm so excited to have Ryan and Chavis from New Chip join me on the podcast. Thank you guys so much for being with me today. Thank you very much for having us. Great to be here. So tell me, Ryan, a little bit about New Chip and kind of how you came up with the concept for the company. Sure. So it goes a long time back, and I'll make it pretty quick. But really, I've been in crowdfunding for years, and I've been putting money in Kickstarter, Indiegogo, all over the place. Um, and I've been burned several times. Um, but I've always had high ideals and ambitions for the future of it, uh, people being able to invest in things they believe in. And it's, so it's a core component of being an American. Uh, we want to help other people that are entrepreneurs. We want to be entrepreneurs ourselves. Um, and so when I heard these new laws and uh, regulations were changing in 2016 that allowed uh, non-accredited investors, basically the 99% of the population, uh, to actually start investing in the same deals as you know all the big sharks are. Uh, so instead of just watching Shark Tank, you actually get to be in, in Shark Tank and you get to actually invest your little bit of capital along with some of these big investors, I found it to be really, really exciting. Uh, and so I decided to build a platform. I started you know, contacting all the platforms in the space. I was about two years behind a lot of them. Uh, and I realized, okay, this is not going to work. And I realized that there's a lot of platforms. I said, how can we you know, deal with this issue? Because investors are not going to want to register for 50, 100, or 2,000 platforms just, just because of the email overload. So I said, okay, let's build an aggregator. Let's build a one-stop marketplace where we can consolidate all of the deals, and then we connect it to the, to the audience we want to serve. Uh, and the audience I wanted to serve was millennials. So the thing about millennials is the majority of millennials are high earners, uh, but low savers. So they have the income to invest, but they don't have a large, substantial amount sitting in the bank to invest. Why do you uh, think actually, that is? So the top three issues millennials are trying to tackle, uh, they're accumulating more savings for retirement. That's about 52%. Uh, 41% are trying to pay off credit card debt or student loans. Um, and the rest of them are looking for investments. Um, and so I think there's just kind of a diversification built into their nature. Um, does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I, you know, it's funny. I get a lot of questions all the time about uh, kind of all different spectrums about investing. And there, you know, there seems to be this big sort of cloud over investing, you know. Um, and no matter how much information, you know, I, I offer to the listeners, um, you know, they still want to kind of demystify this, this you know, quote unquote investing thing. And, and then another trend I see, I don't know if, if you see this as well, that millennials, um, in general, tend to be more conservative because of what happened in 2008, 2009. Yeah, they don't trust the um, the landscape, right? They're, a lot of their parents growing up uh, burned in their 401k. Um, I also strongly believe the, you know, the millennial investor is, is never really going to be a big fan of E-Trade or the standard stock market. So I think they, uh, the, the crowdfunding uh, you know, space you know, beckons directly to, toward them as far as uh, everything they're about. 
So also, you think about risk. Uh, more than a third of trades made by millennials, 18 and 36, are on high-risk stock trades. So when you're looking at like a, a, such a large percentage, and then on, on top of that, uh, they, on average, risk themselves as high risk. Uh, when asked about you know, certain situations, how they want to live, uh, lifestyle brands, you know, ask millennials what they want to do. They want to go skydiving. They want to go teach in <laughs> China and go all over the world. So, <laughs> you know, their parents probably weren't as risky as, as they are. Um, and so, to have the opportunity to invest in something that is high risk but high reward, it's it's, it's really interesting for them because that's the whole core concept of uh, private equity. Private equity is this idea that you can invest a little bit, even though it's you know you're, you're putting in your hundred dollar minimum right here, or a thousand, or ten thousand, but it has the potential for a ten, twenty, or hundred time reward. You don't get that in the stock market. You don't get it anywhere else. And that's why I, I felt it was such a big opportunity for millennials now with the new law changes because before, I mean, they were locked out. Only the one percent could generate wealth this way. Yeah. So for the, for the listeners um, who who don't know, what is a high risk trade? So like AIM trade and stocks, um, I consider all <laughs> stock trading, especially with uh, the current president, to be high risk right now. You never know who's <laughs> yeah, going right? to get tweeted. <laughs> I know. Seriously, somebody needs to remove the phone device. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's, it's, so I'm, I'm also a big patriot, so I'm trying to support everything I can. Sure. But, uh, and also, you know, I, I can't give investment advice as the company. We're not RIAs, and we're yeah. trying to keep a neutral market. But personally, some tips and advice I'd give millennials uh, is while you're young, um, okay, first thing off, pay off debt. Unless your uh, interest rate for your return for whatever you're investing in is much higher than the interest rate for your debt, you need to pay off the debt first. So clear out student loans, clear everything else, because I guarantee your savings account isn't going to be you know, your 18% credit card. It's not going to beat your 25% student loan or even 10%. Uh, and even investing in private equity, unless you're investing a lot uh, in like, you know, diversifying a lot of companies, it takes about five years. You're not really going to make that balance up. You're really risking it there. So you know, pay off all the debts. And then once you've done that, look at keeping liquid capital. Uh, actually, I did an interview the other day. I was talking about it, and um, the reviewer or reporter was kind of blown away. They're like, oh, so to in, like actually a tip for investing is to save money. Uh, it's very true. So to have the capital saved up in a savings account so that you can access it quickly. So having liquid investment amounts, I've missed so many good deals. I would be a millionaire via Bitcoin <laughs> if I'd had some extra capital uh, back then. I, I basically, back uh, when I first started investing, I was investing in mutual funds and you know, real estate, long long-term investments that I couldn't access my, my uh, funds. And so when good investments came across my desk, I couldn't <laughs> I couldn't invest. I just didn't have the liquid capital. And even working with our fundraise right now, you find a lot of investors, it takes them time to bring liquid capital to the table. And good deals, they are a dime a dozen, um, and they, they come very quickly in the night, and they're gone in 24 hours. So when they do come around, you totally miss it. And uh, so just have a savings account, even though you're looking at you know three or six percent, just barely over uh, inflation. Having that extra liquid capital is huge because have you ever seen the movie Up? Yes, it's basically the the, the story of everyone's life in terms of financially. There's always going to be things that pop up and you're going to keep emptying out your piggy bank and you didn't plan for it. So having a good amount of savings, good amount of retirement and also diversifying with investments is really important. Yeah, that's a great tip. You know, I always tell the listeners um, in private practice, I work with a lot of people who make millions and millions and millions of dollars, but have nothing left. You know, there's no money left uh, at the end of the day. You know, it's either all tied up in real estate or um, it's all spent. And so I think the common um, misconception, especially by a lot of like younger millennials, 
is that you have to be making millions and millions of dollars to be able to invest or to make you know smart money moves when really you could have you know a smaller or moderate salary but just be really smart with your debt and spending and you could take advantage of some of these great you know kind of opportunities Exactly. I know uh, some you know really smart, avid investors here that you know make about a hundred thousand dollars a year, but they put ten thousand dollars here and there in in liquid capital and some really good investments, and they've made a lot of money in the long term. And they have some great investments. I know venture capitalists that spend every dollar that comes through, yeah, sure. and then by the end of the year, they can't invest in the really good you know project that comes across their desk because they just don't have anything left. Right. It's the it's the social media society kind of syndrome that uh, that we've kind of got, got gotten into. You know. Um, very interesting. And also, what are you seeing in terms of like social responsibility in millennials in terms of investing? So uh, millennials, so 93 percent of millennials say that uh, social impact is like the number one factor for their investment uh, like decision. Um, that's, you know, they're looking at companies that have some kind of impact, that have some kind of cause, that, mostly not negative. So they're looking for companies that aren't doing something negative in the environment. I mean, uh, Apple's a perfect example of a company that even though all the bad it does, we're so addicted to it, we're still using it. <laughs> uh, but then there's companies that uh, you know that come around that have huge social impact, that have t- t- like huge losses, but millennials are still wanting to invest. So I think it's really important to look at that. And it's one thing we've even built into new chips. So we reinvest, uh, reinvest 10% of our profits back into entrepreneurs in the developing world because we really believe that you know that's where a change comes about. Uh, this whole uh, generation, I have so many friends that are quitting jobs in, in corporate finance all over the place to start startups. I think we're on the verge of a revolution yes. in, in startups and, and having this entrepreneurial like spirit again. Uh, most people don't realize what actually built America into the country it is today was the World War. So after the World War, the majority of the population for the first time came back to the U.S. and the GI Bill gave them free education. And they were like – so regular everyday people, not just the elite, were able to go back to school and go to college for the first time. And after college, they started businesses. They didn't want to work for anyone. They, they, they felt that way in the war. They, they got pushed around. They were always working for someone. So they came back. They started businesses and it, it created the economy that we have today. Uh, so I see that same thing coming back. A lot of soldiers coming back. I'm a soldier that came back from the war, and I started a company. There's a lot of entrepreneurs. There's a lot of really smart people from top business schools saying, hey, you know what? I want to fix the system. I want to work in finance. I want to change things. Yep. Uh, 50% of millennials uh, – actually, no, I'm sorry. 33% of millennials believe in five years that won't even have banks. They won't need it. There'll be so many other different options. Um, so, Isn't that so amazing? I mean, you know, if you'd ask you know, somebody in their 50s or 60s, you know, you think – banks are ever going to be obsolete. I mean, they look at you like you're crazy, you know, and yet that's really the, the you know, evolution, revolution, whatever we want to call it that's going on. And it's just so fascinating to watch. Oh, I totally agree. Uh, they just actually, I don't know, uh, so this is for viewers to Google at home. They just streamlined the process to become a bank for fintech companies a couple, uh, about four weeks ago. That's one of the biggest changes in, in, in history and finance. It hasn't even really been covered. So, like, companies can very quickly and easily become banks. Um, and that's a huge deal because it's such a high cost of capital to become one. I mean, long term, we might even become a bank. So Sure, yeah. So how, how long did it take you from kind of idea of new chip to actual launch? So we're launching pretty quickly in the next few weeks, uh, but from idea stage, 
let's say, I came up with everything. I was in China last year um, around April. I heard about the regulations, was kind of figuring it out, uh, p- picking my head together. I found Travis after interviewing every CTO in like the entire city. <laughs> um, and so <laughs> you really, I was looking for the perfect match, both in you know, technical expertise, you know, quality. He's done so many things. Uh, so when he came on as a co-founder, it really helped solidify the brand. I'm an engineer myself, um, but not so much technology. I'm an air missile defense engineer. So a totally different spectrum. Wow. Uh, but so I, I've, I've been around, done some things. Um, and so it, it's taken us about six, seven months to kind of put everything together because originally just on some of the legal and you think it's really, you know, it sounds super simple to say, hey, here's a flexible investment. You get to invest and pay it out over 12 months. It's not so simple in practice. When you get into lending regulations and laws, it's taken us, I mean, over half a year to work with some of the top like industry, like lawyers and, and firms to actually figure out all the nitty gritty. And people were quoting us at like millions of dollars at the very beginning. And I've got done most of the work myself and cut it down to, you know, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars total so far. Um, and we still have a little bit of way to go. But uh, in terms of actual original estimates to cost, we've done a really good job. Uh, we'll be launching the next few weeks. I'm not sure when the podcast comes out, but I'd love to kind of you know push something out at the same point and make sure we have our um, the app in the store by then, and uh, you know have your listeners download it, uh, download it, share it with your friends. Five dollars for you, five dollars for your friends. <laughs> <laughs> right? Absolutely. Nice. Yeah. So, tell me about the the process. So, um, you know, how does a millennial you know get take advantage of new chip what's the process that they need to do to sign up to start investing etc so uh right now the first thing is sign up and uh, refer about 20 30 friends uh and get you know early access uh we have all kinds of cool benefits on there for you know we we basically went on the crowdfunding model to have just certain reward levels so if i think if you invite like 50 people and they sign up we'll give you vip tickets to the launch party but uh strictly just going off the website you go to the website sign up quick and simple. We're not requiring a lot of the you know, credit information, all the kind of direct information some platforms require. So it's an easy registration, and you get to start seeing the deals. And you shop through the deals. Uh, you can either you know, start shopping immediately, or you can you know, connect them to your interests. Use our machine learning to type in what you're interested in, connect with your social media, and yeah, look at your friends, see what your friends are investing in, and really just kind of you get this kind of uh, dashboard that connects you to what you like and what you want to invest in. Because that's really what we're trying to do is you know, capture an entire market and then present it to the millennial and what they're interested in. And then also things that they might be interested in. Um, and so you know, that, that's basically where your opportunity comes in. You can search manually. You can search through everything individually. And then when you actually want to invest, you invest directly through our partner platform. Um, or if you want to do the credit option, you basically you know click through credit. You sign our quick form. You do the credit check. As soon as it gets approved, it goes back over, it's done. So we try to make it as instant as possible and as you know low a barrier as we can. Uh, there's obviously you know you need to have a good enough income. You know we're not subprime kind of things where you know we know people will uh, not be able to fail or I'm sorry default. So we want to make sure that we're you know finding people that are trustable that have incomes and are really targeted. Especially when we first launch, we want to work with people that really believe in the industry um, and know what they're doing. So there's a lot of uh, disclaimers and risk management. We cover it from even like step one of the process of hey you know these are high risk investments. But we're also covering that with a sense of everybody can afford $100 a month. So instead of finding a company you really like and putting all your savings into it, just put $100 a month. You know, don't go out to eat twice. Right, exactly. And so, you know, for someone who's maybe like interested in this but has never done anything like this, you know, how are there any tips that you have for how someone can evaluate like what is a good deal? 
So me personally, how I evaluate deals is I look and see the big investors investing in it, and I look for deals that are most funded. So I see what's about to close, what's the, you know, it's my last opportunity to kind of be a part of it. Um, and I see, you know, I look at the big investors that are putting in hundreds of thousands of dollars and know they've done their due diligence, they've vetted it, and I kind of ride the wave of what their investment is. I put in my hundred, or I'm sorry, my thousand dollars, <laughs> you know, along with that. Um, and then, but if you really want to find a new deal and you want to do due diligence, my personal preference is, you know, I look at the team. Uh, so I, I follow, you know who Marcus Lamonis is? Sure, yeah. So he's a big, big, like, mentor kind of guy. Like, I, I love following everything he does. I wish he had more books. So people, process, product, three most important things in business for him. You know, his whole story of him becoming a billionaire was those three facets. And so if they have the right product and they have the right team, if they don't have the right process, the company's not investable. So you got to make sure they have the right process in place to get the product to market. They have the right team to get it to market, and they have the right product for the market fit. That's the most important thing you'll ever learn in business. Um, and if you can get those things down, you can identify those things both on gut and on you know actual science. Hmm. Like you know, uh, I know <laughs> uh, some startup entrepreneurs that have created companies based on what they like. Uh, that's not how it works. We've changed a lot of things around at New Chip based on what market research has said and what the market wants. There's things that I wanted that were great, but if the market doesn't want it, okay, we toss it out the door because really it's about serving your consumer. And so that's really important. And then having a team that's capable of doing it. So, you know, I went to a lot of startup competitions and met a lot of entrepreneurs and they're like, oh, hey, you know, I didn't, I've never done anything, but I want to build a competitor Google. That's right, great right, and all. Right. Uh, you don't have any of it done, you know. And they're looking for like, I want a million dollars. I have a fifty million dollar valuation, <laughs> and it's just an idea, right? And everybody's met those entrepreneurs. Great guys. They haven't hit the wall yet. So I love how you have uh, a valuation too before you even launch. That's always yeah. I love that. <laughs> it's worth fifty million dollars, but we have no idea what the concept is yet. So the core tenet I can ever say about valuation, valuation is what your investors are willing to pay. So that's the thing I learned about valuation. If your investors are willing to pay for it and they're willing to fill the round, then that's what your valuation is. But if you get one guy uh, at a $50 million valuation, you put in 10 grand, you're probably not going to get anyone else. If you can get 50% of the round at that valuation, um, you're doing pretty good and it's pretty. I'd say you're pretty accurate. Yeah, very nice. So where do you think kind of the future of, you know, crowdfunding is going? Is, is it going to be a concept that, that continues to evolve with millennials as they, you know, increase up in their, in their earning power? Or what do you, where do you see this going in the next couple of years? Well, this is Travis coming in. Um, you know, I'm, I'm on record as saying that 2017 is going to be the biggest growth year for equity crowdfunding and, and probably entrepreneurship, especially for seed round and small businesses. Um, I think you're going to see a tremendous amount of momentum mid-year. We're already seeing a very strong uh, January with new deals being listed and the momentum uh, of uh, capitalization uh, is tremendous. So I think a lot of entrepreneurs we're talking with, in fact, are reaching out to us, are asking, you know, how can we get our company funded? And, you know, we're not directly funding those companies. We're bringing all the deals to the table, but we're connecting them to the partner platforms that we're working with. Um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised by the end of this year if uh, crowdfunding is the default funding strategy for all seed companies um, that are looking to raise capital. And uh, I think it's going to uh, have a similar launch curve, if, if not twice as fast as Kickstarter. You know, it didn't have a out of the gate bang, but uh, as soon as people started understanding what they could do with it, everybody started using it. And uh, I think this is the year for that. 
That's awesome. Yeah. And, uh, you know, like what, what kind of returns could people expect in some of the investments? So the first thing I would say is diversification is the most important thing. Uh, never put your eggs in one basket. Um, so e- even the Bible says don't put you know invest in six, no eight companies. Uh, otherwise, you don't you don't know what's going to happen. So I, it's it's very important to make sure people diversify. Even if they they take the thousand dollar crowd financing to diversify. Um, but statistically, uh, in the UK, which the market's been around for about five more years than us, uh, there's about an eighty seven percent success rate compared to a you know over fifty percent failure rate in the US of just standard companies. So crowdfunded or equity crowdfunded companies have a high success rate, you know, several times more than the regular market. So I think the returns should be good. Um, I can't actually say a lot on the returns because of, you know, the registered investment sure. advisor stuff, but I think statistically based on the, the market in the UK and based on returns in private equity, you can expect a, a, a much safer and, and long-term return as long as you diversify. Uh, it's, you know, I don't know if you don't know Prosper Lending Club, uh, their model is, you know, you invest in 10 notes and you know one of them will default, but the other nine will be good. So invest in ten companies, and you know about three or four of them might fail, but the rest of them will be okay. And one or two of those are going to be some breadwinners, uh, and that's the whole core of BC. Shauna, there's some interesting trends I'm sure you're seeing as well, um, and this is this is kind of the the interesting thing about about millennials themselves. Um, is that ROI, while important, it's really down the list as far as what's really important to them. And, uh, you know, not to say that there won't be huge, profitable, um, crowdfunded businesses. Um, And again, I can't say which one or how often and things like this. But really the heart of this, isn't it about putting your money into making the world a better place um, and also the experience of, of investing in the things that you believe in, all of these things and, and getting on board with your friends and going along and doing things you know, uh, as a group and to, uh, to make a bigger change in this world is, is all the primary factors that millennials are, are interested in this crowdfunding space. In fact, they've been the primary c- consumer on the Kickstarter um, side of things, and and as we all know, they're kind of everybody's kind of tired of getting burnt out or burned by Kickstarter projects um, that are getting all this money right. without any due diligence. And now we have a new, you know, higher level of due diligence. The SEC is involved in uh, in Finra and in, in, in vetting these companies that are getting listed for the equity side of things. And so now you've got a way to put your money into things that you can believe in as well as you know trust. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I think kind of the old school way of you know investing strictly in, you know, the the stock market where, you know, you you might hear some, you know, company that's hot and you might know absolutely nothing about them, nor really even have an interest in the company except making a return. That's really a whole different way of thinking um, from the way millennials are thinking. You're absolutely right. And it, it is very much about, um, you know, socially responsible, helping businesses succeed and, and investing in cool concepts that maybe would have been overlooked even five years ago. It's like uh, virtual reality. Virtual reality, no, not a single VC on the planet would have put money, an investor would have put money into virtual reality. What made it happen was the crowd. The crowd came together, uh, put money into Kickstarter, Indiegogo, had a couple projects be really, really successful, and now we have this whole industry again because the market's always right. These old VCs, are 60, uh, 60 years old, you know, I love them to death, but they're not always connected to the market they're trying to look for to create products for. Um, and the market doesn't always know what it wants either. Sometimes, really, the only way to see what the market's doing and fluctuating is by 
looking through crowdfunding, seeing what people are interested in. That gives you really a good idea of what the market wants consumer-wise. Um, one of the core things I really it, kind of hit on what Travis said I think is going to change the industry is, you know, a lot of investors have never looked really highly of uh, friends and family rounds. Uh, not because they don't like friends and family investing, but because of all the disclaimers and requirements by the law to have friends and family invest. Uh, so one of the things we're trying to fix with new chip and with our crowd financing is the friend and family round itself. So instead of asking your mom and dad and everyone else to give you thousands of dollars, ask them for a commitment. Can you commit to $100 a month for 12 months? If you can get 100 people to do that, and everybody has social capital nowadays. Everybody has thousands of friends. I think I have 5,000 friends, a couple thousand followers. You know, That's actually how we've we've raised a lot of our funding is through just our, our friends and our networking through that way. I, I actually I think I raised our first 100,000 via uh, just on Facebook messaging <laughs> from wow. just, hey, you know, some friends, you know, hey, we need this is what's going on. Here's my deck. And they said, okay, here's a check. Right. Um, and so I think you get a lot of commitments that way. And imagine being able to get, you know, that same kind of public ability to put it out to everyone, you know, and they can commit as easy as a hundred dollars. Um, you can get it filled up pretty quickly. You may not know, um, that, uh, as far as getting funded, if you don't hit your goal in this equity space, you also don't get a single dollar from that investment. So, um, it, it lowers the risk of people putting in that, the first money where, where most investments, especially seed rounds, they, the, that first investor knows that they're capitalizing really, um, the plane tickets to go, you know, to pay for you to go find more money. Um, in this case though, you're putting your money in a safer place. It's been vetted, um, a higher level than any other companies, uh, in the seed stage for the most part. Um, and then also, you know, once they get all the money, they, they basically tie that to their financial projections. So you've got a well-capitalized company with a well-vetted plan. And so the risk has been lowered in this space as well. And I think when people start catching on, that's part of what's going to drive this, uh, you know, this evolution of, of the funding space. Yeah, absolutely. Very interesting. Well, Ryan and Travis, it has been awesome to uh, spend some time with you. Let's just recap. How can everyone find out about New Chip? And um, do you have any social um, handles that they can go follow as well? Yeah, sure. Uh, go on Twitter, New Chip Co. Uh, same thing on Instagram. So N-E-W-C-H-I-P-C-O. Uh, you type in new chip in most places. It's a kind of a synchronous name. Uh, we're taking, you know, the idea from new chip comes from blue chip to new chip, blue chip stocks and new chip stocks. Uh, you check us out on Facebook. You can follow me, Ryan Raffles. Uh, and then also you can go to our website to sign up for the, uh, the early release at www.newchip.co. Uh, sign up there, and you're good to go. Uh, refer some friends. Uh, we offer, you know, $5 referrals for every friend, and we offer certain rewards based on the number of friends that sign up. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.